This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, Dan is off tonight, but we've got a special treat for you. we got uh, Craig Monroe in. Simo. Uh, <laughs> Glad to be here. Start of those uh, 2006 Tigers, of course, done a terrific job on uh, Valley Sports and you know, sometimes uh, calling the games with Dan here on 97-1 The Ticket. Great to see you, Craig. And uh, it's a pretty exciting time of the year. I know a lot of people are in the Lions in Michigan, and justifiably so. Uh, but the Tigers have been pretty active during the offseason. And then we get the news. Uh, Jim Leland is now uh, going into baseball's Hall of Fame. And you were on that 2006 team that uh, he came in and turned around. And you had your best year that year. Yeah, there's just something about his ability to connect with the players. And the first day he came in, he talked about how he's going to treat everybody the same, but yet he's going to treat everybody different. He was masterful at being able to connect with you and making you believe that you were better than you maybe that you really were. And I was one of those guys because I remember being in the seventh hole. And one day I walk into the clubhouse and I'm, he's moving me to the two hole. And I said, I go in the office. And I said, Skip, you want me to push the no, hit behind runners, drive the ball over. He goes, no, Simo, I just want you to take the same at bats. I want you to drive the baseball the way you've been driving. So he had that ability to put you in situations and allow you to get out of your own way and be able to be productive. And I did. I had my best year. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was a 28 home runs. Yeah. You know, uh, the big home run in the division series, uh, game two. And uh, it was a special time. And Jim Leland, you know, that, people forget that teams uh, that you were on uh, the first part of it. And then the second part, uh, for 10 years. I'd run uh, through that wall, Pat, for, for, for Jim Leland. That's yeah. how much we, we love him. That's how much he believes in us. One of the things that I, wanted, I do want to share about Jim Leland is that very emotional manager. He wore his emotion on his sleeve. So he was like that dad figure where he's going to scold you when you needed to be scolded, but he's going to put his arms around you when he needs to. Matter of fact, there's a lot of days inside that clubhouse where he, was, he would shed tears with us. He talk, I remember his son... Patrick wrote a, an essay. It was for school. It was for a class. And it talked about what it takes to be a champion. And in front of everybody, though, every, it's silent in there. And he wants. He says, I want to read something to you guys. We had no idea that it was his son, Patrick Leland, wrote it. It was, it was everything. And as he was getting down to the end of it, the emotion came out. And it's just like, man, this, this guy here, he gets it. And, again, that's, that's, he, he's well-deserved uh, to be in that Hall of Fame. You know, there's uh... – they have like a measurement for everything in baseball now. You know, war, uh, you can go on and on and <laughs> yeah. on. The one thing they've never been able to quantify, even Bill James, who started all that and everything, is the value of a manager. And you don't know it until you know it. Uh, and Leland, when he, he was popped in there, and this isn't any disrespect to who was before him or after him, it's just you just knew it. I mean, and, and I think that, that committee, I, I was somewhat surprised. They all voted for him except for one person. Well, and there were some big names. There on was that. definitely some big names. But think about this and, and what he was able to do. He doesn't care if you're the superstar player on the team or the 25th guy, and now it's 26th guy on the roster. He is going to treat you with the same respect as if you were a superstar player. And I think that's what 
allowed all the players to just have this respect because he would call Pudge Rodriguez out when he needed to. Oh, I remember that. You remember, you remember that when Pudge hit a line drive, I think, the right field, and I think Maglio didn't score? We didn't get to lead the clubhouse because he came in there and he goes, raise your hand if anybody ever made a freaking mistake in this game. And we're all like, Petrified, by the way, because when he gets mad, you he can he can well, go he, to rent. You know, Pudge got run uh, from a uh, game. Yeah, uh, and it was at the end of a series, and he had done the same thing the year before, and uh, he got run, and Jim didn't like him getting run. He felt it was selfish. So the next day, Pudge was dropped from three to six. Then the next day he wasn't in the lineup. And I don't know if you remember this. It was in Boston, but I do. No. I just remember uh, him I, sitting on that, coming in the clubhouse after a game and just absolutely ringing him a new one. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, if he will if he will come in here and get in Puzz Rodriguez's face almost nose to nose, almost like where he could have bumped his head, I'm like, yeah. boys, we better listen. Well, uh, this yeah. old man mean business. Polanco got hurt. Yeah. And he, with that day he benched Pudge, and he made Pudge play second, second base. base. Do you remember that? I do remember that. How son Pudge is running out there. And we asked him, we were writers that we were on the trip. We asked him about it the next day. We went up to Pudge, you know, expecting Pudge to say anything. Nothing. Nothing. He had that type of respect for Leland. And nothing other than praise for his manager. And uh, that was the type of thing. And I remember in 2008, I told this yesterday, uh, people forget that Verlander had a bad year that year. And I remember him getting all over Verlander. And it's the famous video of him yelling at Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, I you just know. saw that just the other day. But the thing is, if you asked Pudge, if you and I think Pudge has talked about this, you asked Justin, I guarantee you, and Barry Bonds has always talked about how much they love Jim Leland. And the thing is, Jim Leland never makes a big deal about that. Like, I did that or whatever. <laughs> right. He praises those guys. And he was just trying to make him better, and I think they knew that, right? Yes, and there's no question about that. Barry Bonds still to this day calls Jim Leland every Father's Day, yeah, because that's how how how, how much he impacted his career and his life. And so that I mean that's high praise. That is high praise for one of the greatest players of all time to to still be have that kind of connection with a manager. And uh, you have good luck, because Jim is like great with the media and everything. But you ask him about Barry Bonds, he'll t- he'll turn that right away. He yeah. does not he does not want to other than to say wonderful things about Barry Bonds. And that, that's great what you said because that is the essence of Jim Leland, I think, as a manager. Yeah, and, it, and it's just for everybody. I mean, you could talk to, I mean, Brandon Hinge, myself, Marcus Timms. I mean, Marcus Timms still calls him to this day. I mean, right. he's, just a, he's just been a huge part of our lives. And, and it's not just baseball. I just remember being on that team and being in the outfield, taking batting practice. And, you know, we're shagging balls and – Leland would just walk around the outfield and he'd come up to you and say, how's mama doing? How's your family? How's the right. wife? How's the kids? He, so he wanted, to go, he wanted to dive deeper. He wanted to know more about his players and on a more of a personal level. And you don't get that from a lot of managers or a lot of people in the game. It's about X's and O's or it's about wins and losses. Leland was a lot different. And I think he realized and recognized this is how you get the most out of your players when they can come in that his office and know that they can they're talking to their dad or they're talking to you know somebody that genuinely cares and that's why I believe right now with AJ Hinch and how the Tigers are playing right now these guys trust him and they believe him when he says something they're ready to follow well there are some every manager is different but there's a lot of similarities between uh great managers and the first is the ability to lead 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's an ins- I think it's an instinctive thing. You you can see it with AJ Hinch. Uh, you could Sparky Anderson back in the day yeah. definitely had that. I've heard some great stories about Sparky, uh, yeah. through Gibby, and yeah. Jack Morris, and those guys that play had a chance to play for him. Yeah, I know those are two headstrong dudes, man. Too, and they were young, <laughs> and you know Sparky managed to uh, in in a in a very uh, I don't not a self serving way, just in a way for the team. Got the, those guys were two consummate team players. Yeah, and, th- and that's what you have to be. And if you're going to win championships, if you're going to give yourself a chance, you have to be team. You have to be a team player. And I think that's what Sparky, that's what Leland has done throughout their careers. I mean, think about this. Tito Francona, too. Right. He has that same thing. Player managers is what guys really, really, it seems like that's, those are the guys that they really connect with, you know, the, the players connect with. Because it's not about money hmm. when you get to this level. It's about winning. And how do you win? You can't win being selfish. Everything, else, made take, everything else takes care of itself if you win. And you also have to have some veteran leadership. you got to have the guys in that clubhouse and a manager that allows the veteran players to take care of the clubhouse. You, 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 the manager don't have to always say anything. And Leland never really came into the clubhouse unless he had something to say. But it was players like Mags and uh, Polanco and Geeing. They were leaders. And he allowed them to police the clubhouse, and we took care of it ourselves. It's like it is in every sport with the great uh, uh, coaches. The, 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 the team itself does that, and the, and the coaches sits off. And it's rare that they have to, once they implement that, have to put their foot down or however you want to put it. But speaking of veteran leadership, uh, Mark Canna yeah. is going to join us at 8.30. Uh, the Tigers signed him. And uh, we'll talk. I get Simo's uh, thoughts on this. They got uh, Kenta Mahida and uh, Mark Canna now. Mark Canna. A couple veteran players, one for the pitching rotation, one for the lineup, and what it's going to mean this year. And uh, do the Tigers have a shot to win that uh, American League Central, which uh, I think they may have. <laughs> I think they do too. Uh, we'll talk about that next. This is uh, Tiger Talk. Uh, Dan is off. Simo, uh, Craig Monroe is in. Uh, this is 97 won the ticket. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a great call from uh, Double D, Dan Dickerson. <laughs> Dan is off tonight. Uh, we got a special edition of Tiger Talk. Mark Canna, uh, one of the new Tigers, an outfielder, will join us at 8.30. And Craig Monroe is in today uh, to talk about the Tigers. And look, uh, the, it's no secret to anybody. The American League Central is probably the worst division in baseball. Cleveland's taking a dive. Tito Francona, or Terry Francona, everybody calls him Tito, which was his dad's name, actually. Uh, former major league player is retiring. Uh, Bieber now throws 91 miles an hour and is a free agent. Uh, a lot of their players, one by one, are, are kind of falling off. Chicago completely imploded last year. And uh, the Twins, no Sonny Gray. And uh, actually, the, the Tigers... Last year against the Central, I think their record was uh, like 20 games above 500 against those teams. Uh, they were 8-5 and five against the Twins. So it looks like they have a shot. I mean, they're not that far off. <laughs> they just all. added some talent. 
And uh, I think with the winter meetings and everything going to go more, do you think they got a shot? I definitely think they have a shot. You go back and look at last year, and, it, 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 and the one thing that just stands out is the American League East. The Tigers did not play good baseball against the American League East, win a few more games, right? and it changes everything. I think this year, adding some pieces, obviously you, you, you hate the fact that you're going to lose El Gordo Rodriguez, but you're adding Kenta Maeda. You also got the guy uh, Mark Canna coming over, who's a veteran leader, which the Tigers, I believe, need. You need that veteran in the clubhouse, uh, can kind of show you the way. And the one thing that I really respect about Mark Canna is the way he conducts his at-bats. He's a grinder. Yeah, I think these young players are going to learn a lot from him, uh, the way he goes about it. He won't. He will. He will not give in to that pitcher. And so I'm looking forward to seeing his impact and how impactful he can be for this Tigers team. Well, you take all the numbers out of it and everything, and you watch the game day by day, and some of these teams come in. And when Oakland would come in, Cano would just seem like such a pain in the butt to the Tigers. <laughs> seemed like whenever Oakland needed, you know, when Oakland was winning and everybody thought, how are they winning? It was because they had a couple of players like Mark Canna who were really tough outs when the game was on the line or early in the game when the pitcher would be in trouble. It's a pain in the butt, and I think that's one of the reasons. I did look it up. He, he did – his best OPS is actually at Comerica Park, and everybody talks about how distant he had five home runs there in his career. So he's done well in the in the Tigers ballpark. Well, I think hitting at Comerica Park, it is a big ballpark, and then they've made some adjustments with the dimensions. Center field's moved in, right field, and it's a little bit more hitter friendly. But when you're in that batter's box, it changes your mindset. You don't you go to Comer- I mean, you go to Guarantee Rate Field. You might be thinking a little lift a little bit, trying to get underneath the ball because the ball carries. Here, it allows you to be a better hitter if you think line drives. Line drives end up being home runs. Right. I think that's going to work in Mark Hanna's favor here. And I think the Tiger players have kind of bought into that system as well, that thinking. Line drives, ball's going to carry, you're going to hit your home runs. But this team's about passing the baton. I can't tell you how many times I was in that clubhouse talking to Riley Green, talking to Torkelson. And the trust that they have for each other. Mm-hmm. It's about keeping the line moving. Hey, we got to keep the past the baton. Let's get on base. That's what Mark Canna is going to bring to this, this roster, to this lineup. He's going to be a guy that's got a high rock rate, low strikeouts. That is what Scott Harris has been preaching since he got took over this job for, for the Tigers as president. You're going to see it materialize, I think, with Mark Canna. And it's going to spread throughout that clubhouse. Yeah, and the the thing that you mentioned, I, I, they're younger players, especially Spencer Torkelson, and you know, w- watching all the games and, and listening to you talk about Torkelson, you understand what he's been through as well as anybody because that's your job to constantly analyze him. And you were a major league hitter. What happened the second half of the year? Why was there a, you know, he went from uh, okay, he's struggling, he's struggling, he's struggling. And then he took off. What happened? Well, I think he also got to a point. He's got to a point to where he started to trust himself. Uh, when you're a one-of-one, one, there's so much pressure, and you're trying to live up to that hype. And then when you get to the big league, there's even more pressure because you you feel like you have to be an all-star. He's got to hit 30, drive in 100. Well, I think early on he was trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, had a tough time getting to the ball on the inside part of the plate. Uh, and then also had a tough time sh- that slider down and away. Well, in the offseason, he moved up on the dish. Now he's made that outside pitch a middle pitch. Now it's about your rhythm, your timing. 
and he started hunting pitches that he knows he can drive, and anything that was out over the plate where he can get some extension, he was punishing the baseball. Yeah. And he and I'll tell you this, a lot of his home runs to the pull side. That is not his thought process. His thought process, even getting up on the dish, is still thinking right center field to center field to the big part of the ball part. And again, with your time and your rhythm, he was just catching the ball a little bit more out in front. And matter of fact, it caught on. Everybody started talking about the parties out in front. It is. And that's their mentality now of let's catch this ball out in front, be a little bit more aggressive on our pitches. And we got a chance to see the Tigers hitters get better and Torgerson was leading in that. There are some hitters who are the exception to the rule. They'll they'll, you know, hundred mile an hour fastball, they'll guess on it and they'll pull it. You know, I've seen that. But most home runs are hit on pitches in which the bat sped up, you know. It'll be a maybe a cutter when they're there's they're gearing for a fastball mm-hmm. and they get it out front and it, and you can you can attest to this. I've been told a lot of times, when you really hit one good, you don't even feel it. No, you don't feel it at all. And there, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there was a bunch of swings that Torkelson took this season. He didn't feel that ball off the bat. And you just know right away, you see the projection of the ball when it comes off the bat, and you're like, man, that's what I've been working in the batting cage for. But these moments, these big moments to where I can come up big for my team by hitting some home runs. You know why I think he may end up being an absolutely great player? And I like everybody else, I was like, I don't know for sure now when he was struggling, so I'm not trying to pretend I was a genius about it, is he grinds. He never he, – you notice he played like every game, took every at-bat. Every at-bat he was up there doing the same. He didn't give up any at-bats even when he was struggling. And for me, that's key. As players, we can sometimes ride the emotional roller coaster. When things are great, we're all, everybody's excited, you're, you're on an all-time high. But then when you start to scuffle, you start to second-guess yourself. You start to, okay, where are my hands? What about my feet? Well, I watched this young man, I mean, grow right in front of all of our eyes where he stayed the same. You know, we say stay the course. Trust the process. He's a definition of it this season. He stayed the course. He didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. And he continued to put together consistent at-bats. And even when he struggled, you couldn't tell. There was The body language was good. He wasn't moping. His head wasn't down. The shoulders wasn't slumped. He knew that he was going to get himself out of it. For me, he looks like that one-of-one one that the Tigers drafted when he was hitting homers in Arizona State, and then he went to the minor leagues and just destroyed the baseball. We have to remember, too, this. He only got he only had 500 and some at-bats in the minor leagues. Right. So we can also say that he was kind of rushed here to the big leagues, him and Riley Green. And well, there was a COVID year. The COVID year, the 2020, yeah, that was a tough year for him as well. So it's just like. Yeah, so they didn't really get. They didn't, uh, get, to, they didn't get to develop. But right. now this kid here is going to be a star. I believe he's a stud right now. Anybody, anytime you get a chance to hit 30 home runs at the big leagues, driving runs, and he's only going to get better. I think the batting average will increase, which I'm not a batting average guy. I'm more of a production guy. Right, OPS. OPS, guys that can produce. Yeah. And, and, so, and I just think he fits the bill. Yeah, the uh, other thing, too, is uh, with Riley Green, you mentioned him. He stays healthy. The power is going to come with him. He's got the swing for it. But he's got to stay healthy, and these are kind of flukish injuries he's had. I think he's the best hitter on the team, all yeah, around he, him. He yeah, just, yeah. Just not, he just hits. Uh, hits 300, and, and we noticed when he wasn't in the lineup, they he lost. struggled. <laughs> <laughs> they, they lost, you're right. But they struggled, so he kind of stares to drink, right? He's that guy that is dependable, puts together that good at bat. Hits. He's going to be right around 290, 300 hitter. He's going to drive, hit some homers. 
Uh, I think he's going to develop that, and he and he started to do that. But you're right, the freakish injuries has kept him from developing on a, on a rapid pace. Yeah, and uh, he's probably going to be in right field, which he's kind of got gold glove in right field. He's a good center fielder. I mean, especially his rookie year, he's really good out there, at least metrically. But uh, this thing with Parker Meadows. Oh, is he special? <laughs> oh, That's a little different, isn't it? He's special. He's 6'5". And just, I mean, he glides. And, and some of the balls that as players, as an outfielder, we had to die, we have to die for. He's standing up making that catch and making it look easy. So I asked AJ about Parker Meadows when he when he got the call up. I said, what do you love about this kid? He goes, Zemo, trust me when I tell you, game changer on the defensive side. And he's got a little pop too, and he's developed as a hitter. So he's only going to get better. So this team is shaping up to look really good going into 2024. Yeah, he uh, the, the thing that when he was 18 years old, and I used to watch their West Michigan games, actually Green was ahead of him defensively. So they put Green in center after a while. But Parker Meadows was like a – you ever seen a, a, a foal, uh, you know, a horse uh, just coming out and he's kind of <laughs> walking around like that because he's got those long legs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like night and day now because he's, his body is caught up to his coordination. And – he had a little bit of a long swing. That's why he didn't go until like the second round. But he's shortened his stroke a little bit. And he's in the top 10 percentile in foot speed. He takes – Seymour, you ran okay, right? You were okay. Well, that was okay, but nothing like put this Well, it's because you'd have to take six <laughs> steps to cover what he does in three. Exactly. You know he gallops I mean? out of there. I tell you, I'm like – He's amazing to watch on the defensive side. He, he, he truly is, and it's just – He throws well, too. He's, he throws well. They're trying to get him to be a little bit more aggressive on the base path. They want him to steal some backs. Uh, he's going to get there as well. I just like the development. I like that they're they're trusting these guys, and they're giving them an opportunity to play. It's all about the opportunity, and when they get their opportunity, it's almost like carpet, and you got to seize the moment, and it just seems like he took the bull by the horn. Yeah. Hey, coming up next, we'll talk to Mark Canna, uh, Tigers outfielder, new Tigers outfielder. They signed him from uh, uh, actually Milwaukee, played with the Mets last year as well, and a lot of folks remember him from the A's. That'll be coming up next. This is uh, Tiger Talk, a 97-1 the ticket. Mark Canna, we're still uh, waiting uh, on him, and uh, when he joins us, he joins us, and we'll talk to Mark. In the meantime, we'll continue our conversation about different players. Uh, we got a couple players that have been talked about a lot. The Tigers, the people were saying their minor league system was nothing at this time last year. That Green was up, uh, uh, Torkelson was up, Mize, Scoobal. By the way, we haven't talked about Scoobal yet. Oh, wow. You talk about the most under-talked about <laughs> player. What, what Tarek Scoobal did the last 15 games of the season, you know, was just, he, had a, he had a whip below .9. He was a bulldog. It was unbelievable. 15 starts, too, Simo. And I want to give Robin Lund a lot of credit. When the Tigers signed him out of uh, Iowa, and they talked about him being a guru of mechanics. Right. He has put Scooble's body in the right position to maximize his arm strength. He went from throwing consistently 95. He was at 98, 99 with his fastball. They made a couple little adjustments with tinkering with his fingers and how he holds the changeup. It was lethal. I mean, it was a it was a legitimate swing and miss pitch for him. Matter of fact, he almost just went fastball changeup mix, and he's got a wicked slider as well. I'm excited. I'm encouraged too to see how he how he even just improves on what he what he learned last year. He's got ace like stuff. 
And there's no question he's going to be at the top of that rotation. You know, he doesn't have – there's a couple things. You know, he doesn't have spin rate. His spin no. rate is not that. And uh, also, he doesn't have extension, which you'd think he would have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is means you extend longer and you're closer to the home plate and it, your stuff picks up. But he, he throws really hard. He's in the top of among uh, starting pitchers. Uh, in terms of his velocity. But he's got a mentality to go with it. And he's got that bulldog he look, does. man. You look at his face, you can see that. And his, uh, he, I don't know, he's got some deception in his motion. There's something there that is, there's a blind spot for the hitter, too. You can tell by the way they react, you know. Well, and also, he, the one thing else I want to add to that is that with his front arm, his lead arm, when he would pull it down to deliver the baseball, he was working more east to west. Right. They synced him up to work more north to south to where as your arm works. Yeah, it wasn't flying open. And, it, yeah. I mean, he was staying close. He was throwing more strikes. I mean, he was all – I mean, you said it the last 15 start, he was almost unhittable. I can't wait to see what he does next year going into – But nobody talks about it. Yeah, nobody talks about it It's like I'm all. like, you know, hey, wait a second. This is a, a potential uh, star. And it, just, you know, I'm, not gonna, I'm not trying to overhype the guy, but just wait till you see Jackson Job. Oof. I've seen clippings. I haven't. Can't wait to see him in person. Well, uh, Jackson Job right now, he throws ninety-seven on a relatively consistent basis, and he hits the quadrants of the zone, meaning you know around the box. Yes, and he has this you know high spin. It, they'll, they'll call it ultimately a sweeper. You know, if you look at it from behind, man, it's un- amazing how much it just does that. But he throws a cutter now, and the best part, Simo, he lands his changeup. On a dime, he's going to move fast. That that's going to play up wherever it is. Again, another thing like, hey, you know, maybe they had a lot of hype prospects in the past or whatever, and it takes a while and everything. But those two guys, uh, right there in the rotation for the next few years, that's one and two right there, man. Well, with Chris Fetter and what he's been able to do with his pitching staff and the, his ability to put together game plans. Uh, again, Robin Lund syncing up these guys' motions and getting the most out of them. Gabe Rebus, I also want to give a lot of credit, is just so good at like tinkering with you and eliminating pitches and allowing you to get the most out of yourself. So our pitching staff, from a coaching standpoint, they're incredible. Yeah, they're doing a good job, and the organization's come a long way. Speaking of uh, the Tigers coming a long way, they got a, a veteran player joining them now. Uh, that is uh, outfielder Mark Hanna. Mark, welcome to Detroit, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Craig Monroe is here. You'll see Craig uh, quite a bit. I'm Pat Caputo. Uh, great to have you here in Detroit. I know this, and we, Craig and I were talking about, when you were with Oakland, you were a very pesky hitter. We called you a pain in the butt when you were with <laughs> Oakland. You always got that big hit, you know. So, And I looked up the numbers. You did pretty well at Comerica Park, so uh, it seems to be a pretty good fit for you. Yeah, well, if I if I'm a pain in the butt, then I'm doing my job. Right. So that's kind of uh, that's I take pride in in being a pain in the butt, and uh, hopefully I'm that for for a lot of other teams in our division and around the league this year. Well, Kenny, this is Craig Monroe. I call you a grinder. You grind at it bats. You're, well, you're a pro's pro. The way you go about it. Um, these young players. There's a lot of young players on this Tiger team. How excited are you about coming here to Detroit and being a leader and, and kind of showing them the way? To, how to conduct their at-bats. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, it was fun kind of playing that role last year when I got traded over to Milwaukee, just com- coming from a, a highly veteran team like New York into Milwaukee that had a lot of uh, 
just the roster was constructed very differently with a lot more younger players and and uh it's it's kind of fun watching how those um those grindy at bats you know they they're kind of contagious so once if i can get a few of those going at the top of the lineup or wherever i am and and have people feed off of that that's it's kind of cool to see and i and i reveled in that role um at the end of last year uh you were uh with milwaukee but uh, you cut your teeth really with the a's uh you know before you went to the mets and uh, just, uh, that team was always a team that uh, you guys were going to the season. Nobody thought you could win it, and you guys were always right there. And mm-hmm. coming into this year, I don't think a lot of folks, you know, maybe some in Detroit, like Simo and I, we think they're going to be contenders of Tigers this year, but I don't think nationally they think that much of them. So it's kind of the same situation where you're kind of the underdog and people are underestimating you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, those are some very talented teams we had in Oakland, as you as you can see now, where some of those guys ended up and, right. and where they're at in their careers. Um, you know, I before Matt Olson was Matt Olson and Matt Chapman was Matt Chapman, they were just guys that nobody knew who they were. So, uh, I, you know, you never know. And um, look at some of the stories in in recent years with like the Phillies a couple years ago, nobody thought they were going to really do anything. And, and uh, Arizona this year. So you never know what team is it's going to click for. And um, when you have a bunch of young guys that are developing their early on in their career, you know, I I imagine there's some of those guys are going to break out and, um, Veteran guys like me will help with that, and and Javi Baez, and and um, you know if we can create a a good culture in the clubhouse, I think uh, you know the sky's the limit. Well, what have you heard about the Tiger fans? I mean, this is a rich culture here in baseball and sports in general. One of the greatest places yeah. to play. What are you looking forward to coming here? I'm looking forward to uh, a passionate fan base that uh, it's going to be locked in based on what they saw at the end of last year, I'm sure. And, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be expectations and I, and I like that. I revel in that. And I want, um, I want there to be excitement around the team. I want, I think the team we're going to be really good this year. And, and I think, uh, Scott Harris has a lot of good, um, has had a really good start to the off season and we're, we're stacking up on pitching. It seems like, and, and, um, I I think, you know, I think it's it's a uh, it's a sports city, Detroit, and uh, they seem to really rally around their teams. And I think uh, this can be a team this year that they can rally around for sure. And I'm sure you've talked to AJ Hinch. What have you learned, or, or what can you expect coming here with the Tigers? Uh, AJ just, you know, he seems like a confident guy that, that knows what he wants and and is a winner and. It's just, um, you know, kind of, he's been there and done that sort of, so to speak. And, and, uh, has the, has that experience where he's, he's been in those playoff situations. He's been deep in, into the playoffs. So he, you know, I think that comes in handy once you get there. And, and so I, I feel like we just have to get there. And then once we're in the dance, um, the, you know, that A.J. Hinch 
experience and knowledge and, and, and everything that comes along with him is, is just uh, invaluable. Yeah, he's, he, he just seems to push the right buttons. He did it a lot this season where he pinch hit for a guy and all of a sudden somebody hits a homer. So he's got his hands on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, very intelligent. Uh, but he also makes sure that the club, you know, that his, his office is always open, allows you to be yourself. Is that also something that you're looking forward to, just kind of coming here and being a Tiger and just being able to play the game the way you love to play it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've been lucky in my career to have managers that have, have let me done that. Or I probably didn't say that right just now. <laughs> that have uh that let me that let me be myself and, and just I think that's so important and underrated. You gotta have um guys that are eager to come to the ballpark every day that can feel comfortable and, and you know, the work environment has to be uh professional yet yet relaxed and and you know you gotta let let these guys be themselves and and that's what we did in oakland all those years and that's i think big reason why we were so good under bob melvin and um that's kind of what i saw a little bit in new york last year and then and then in milwaukee this year was it's kind of a common theme it's just um kind of a looseness and, and everybody just allowed to be comfortable and be themselves. And I think that's just the best environment for, for winning. And Mark, uh, enjoy the conversation. Welcome to town. It is a great sports town. And, uh, you know, the fans will be fair to you. They're usually fair. Yes, they are. That's funny. Craig played for a number of years, and he can attest to that. If you don't do the right thing, don't be a little rough on you. Uh, but We're you, looking forward to seeing you in that old English D, buddy. Yeah, but if you do, you know, and you've always played the game the right way, I think the fans here in this town are going to appreciate you, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, well, I think I, I, I hope to bring that to the team and, and just make it a, a collective thing. I want uh, my best hope for this season would be that we would um, just play as a team, play the game the right way. And, and um, if we do that, it'll, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. That's all anybody ever expects in this town. Hard <laughs> That's effort. it. That's, That's it. it. It's a you yep. know, lunch bucket town. Just like everybody says, <laughs> even the white collar people are blue collar. Trust me. Anyway, right. thanks Mark. Enjoyed it. Take care. All right. Enjoy the off season. There he goes. Mark Canna. We'll wrap up the show coming up next. 97 won the ticket. Well, we got to wrap up the show. Dan always says it's like the fastest hour in radio. That did go pretty quick. It did go pretty quick. I'm having but, too much uh, fun. Uh, we do have some open lines if you want to call talk to SEMA. <laughs> Come <laughs> well, say hi. We're just sitting here, you know, chatting about baseball. I'd probably do it for like five hours or something. <laughs> uh, it's a very exciting time, I think, uh, because the Tigers they haven't been very good for a long time now. And uh, they've struggled through different things. But they've had a few – Things go their way. You know how everything that uh, could go wrong did go wrong in 2022? I think in 2023, a lot of things went right. I'll give you an example. It's not just at the major league level, but, you know, Torkelson coming through like he did. Uh, Kerry Carpenter, you know, was a, you know, it, it was surprising. Plus, you know, he's a plus runner and has a strong throwing arm, so there's some potential there. Obviously, we talked about Scooble Holton, you know, coming in. I mean, that guy he had an MVP for relief pitchers. You'd be surprised how well he did. And what uh, makes him so good, though, Pat, is he can, he gets both lefties and righties out. And it's nasty little cut piece here, change up, down and away. And he, too, knows how to hit those quadrants of the strike zone. And he utilizes all of his pitches with confidence to throw them in any count. 
that what makes him special for me. That was uh, that was special. I thought Lang and uh, Foley were really good. I really like Foley though. He's a ground ball waiting to happen. Yeah. That 98, 99 mile Heavy. power was two seams. We call it a sinking fastball. Yeah. I mean, he's inducing ground balls, defense, you know, up the middle. They're strong. Uh, we got some other guys that we didn't get a chance to really get into, but you've got a couple guys in the minor leagues. Coke Keith, really good hitter. Can't wait to see him in spring training. Uh, Jace Young oh, uh, man. He can turn the double plays. Got a strong goal on playing second base. They possibly might move him over. Maybe move uh, they're going to play. What they're going to do, I think. Uh, Cole Keith, had he slid back into first base when he was at West Michigan in 22. And uh, he hurt his arm somehow. And I don't know. You know, I know he plays with a sleeve on it all the time, and they rested him a couple times because of his arm. Uh, and he's, uh, I think he's athletic enough, Simo, to play second base. I he ran so. a 6'9", uh, a 60 when he was coming out. That's a kind of a test of what type of athleticism. He had a strong arm, too. That's the thing. He was going to be a dual uh, a player at Arizona State. He was going to pitch and hit. He threw 92 in high school. So... Uh, but his arm, uh, and the, the, the only question on Young, and I think it's a good move to put him at uh, third because he's got real good hands, is, uh, you know, is carry when he throws the ball across the diamond. But he, you know, and I, I his first year he didn't do anything. He had one home run and all this stuff. But once he figured it out with the wood bat and the prof- – you know, they throw a Takes lot a harder. Time. Yeah. And once he started to figure it out, he really figured it <laughs> he, out. He really did. And so I'm encouraged by those two bats coming up. They're going to get a chance to – to make the team out of spring training. Now with the Tigers, there's a lot more moves. I'm, I believe that can happen or could, that's going to happen. Yeah. And But I just think with this young this young group, allow these guys to develop and grow. Don't, we don't I don't think you have to rush, man. Scott talks about that all the time. Like, you got to understand, these guys have to develop. They have to learn how to play the game the right way in the minor leagues. And then when they get in the big leagues, you expect for them to be productive players, you know, to add something. Uh, to this roster, and I think those two guys will. Well, I think Scott Harris, too. Uh, you know, a lot of the players, and I, you know, I'm going to give some credit to Al Avila because a lot of the players he drafted, all of a sudden they look really good. You get <laughs> Bo Brisky way down in the draft. Foley was at an NAIA school, signed as a free agent. You know, they made the trade for Alex Lang and nobody cared about it, and he ended up being their closer. Uh, you could go down the list. Jerry Carpenter, 19th round. But the, I think the developmental curve with that, with Harris coming in, has really enhanced some of the talent that they've had. The group that he's brought in, uh, has you mentioned uh, Lund, uh, they've had a number of different people. And I think they've enhanced their major league coaching staff. And I think that's allowed A.J. Hinch some freedom to do some things that made him a much better manager last year because he was able to focus on the matchups. How about Mike Le- Michael Lorenzen? Yeah, signed him in the offseason. Scott told him that he was going to get better. He, coming to the Tigers, you're going to get better. The highest praise that you, Scott got was when Michael Lorenzen threw a no-hitter for the Phillies when right. he traded him in the trade deadline. And he simply said, Scott Harris was a man of his word. I got better when I put on that old English D. Yeah. And so that just speaks volume to how these Tigers are paying attention to details, how they're taking on the responsibility of signing guys and making them better and lengthening their careers. Michael Lorenzen is a great example. Well, of doing I, that. we had Michael Lorenzen on the show last year, and he said that that was no BS. He said exactly that, exactly that before he did those things, and it did pay off for him. 
Who knows? He may be back. I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad if you he know, came back. I mean, you know, uh, he was really good. He's a versatile, uh, versatile. Pitcher. He can do works a lot hard. A lot of different things. And there's for pitching. I think they're going to sign some veteran pitching. I think they're going to make a couple deals. Uh, they've got depth, organizational depth now. So they got some pretty good players uh, that maybe some other teams would want who are blocked. And you one know, guy we didn't, one, one pitcher we didn't talk about, and, and I was very encouraged watching him. And he's a young man, Reese Olsen. Unbelievable. I thought he looked great uh, this season coming up. And he, he just – he wasn't overwhelmed. I mean, he also has that bulldog about him where he didn't give in to the hitters, has a wicked spin rate on his oh, slider. His slider is might be one of the best sliders in the game already. Yeah. And Sawyer Gibson Long. Yeah. He didn't look bad. So when you talk about depth and from a pitching standpoint, I, I think the Tigers are in a really good place. And it takes that, that kind of depth to get through a season. Well, another pitcher to look for, uh, and I think he'll pitch in the major leagues this year, is Ty Madden uh, from, from uh, Texas. From Texas, And uh, he was a great college uh, performer. Uh, they changed his motion. He doesn't throw straight overhand anymore. It's three quarters, so he can flatline the ball. But uh, he throws really hard. He's got a real good slider. It's just a matter of consistency with him. He misses a lot of bats. Do you when see he, him maybe being a bullpen guy? He could be. You know, it's about the three pitches. You know that. You got to have three or three. four pitches. Uh, definitely, if you bring him out of the pen, he brings something with it. Uh, but I, if you ask Ty Madden, you know how pitchers are, man. They want to start. start. <laughs> There's no question they want to start. But you also got to think Casey Mice coming off Tommy John. Yeah. He should be ready to go in spring training. There's another first round pick that, that you know, there's a lot of high expectation for this young man. He was very good in 21. And I, I, I think he has, it, he has it in him um, to get to that elite level. And he's, he is a thinker. You know, he, he really recognizes what hitters are doing in the batter's box, he reads swings. Uh, that to me, you know, for a younger player is encouraging. I mean, that's that's the key. You got to know how to pitch and when to add, when to subtract. And I just feel like these guys are ahead of the curve, and so that's why we're seeing this pitching you staff be better. With Mize, uh, the one thing about it, when he was down in downtime, man, it, those dudes going through Tommy John surgery, it's not like going through the car wash, you know, or getting an oil change. People act like that. It's but tedious, and you know, you're wait, hurry up and wait. But he didn't waste his time, I don't think. That's one thing about Scuba. He didn't. He went through Tommy John when he was in college. But the injury he had, you know, you could tell that they worked at what they were doing so they were ready when they come back. The one thing I'd say for Mize, I'd be surprised if he's not absolutely ready, you know, as much as he can be and maybe improved from the time off rather than sulking about it. Well, he threw a few bullpens down the stretch and fastballs mid mid to upper 90s. And he only threw fastballs, but the, the – the, Command was there. Uh, so, again, you, you just got feel bigger good. And you got bigger. Yeah. You got stronger. One of the things that A.J. Hinch did, too, for the, the players that, you know, like a Casey Mize, he wanted to make sure that they went on some road trips to be around the boys because, again, you have to have that chemistry. He wanted them to feel a part of it because they are a big part of the piece. I mean, we've been waiting for the big three, so to speak, Scooble, Manning, Mize. Well, this is a close-knit group. And so for A.J. to recognize, hey, I need these guys around the players because they're going to be the future. It's, again, it speaks to him and Scott having their hands and knowing what it takes. And so I'm looking forward to the next season. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a lot of fun for uh, fans uh, next year. Anyway, Simo, I enjoyed it. Like oh, I said, I man, too. it's like the fastest hour in radio. <laughs> Sit here and talk all night about baseball. I'll take your baseball calls coming up next, but obviously we're getting Lions in Michigan and all that stuff. Craig enjoyed it, man. All right. Thank you, Pat, for having me. And 
We'll do it again one day. Yeah, one day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the Tiger talking. 97 won the ticket.